listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. As I woke up this morning, and uh, I was, I literally woke up with, as I said, this word jumped up in my spirit today. And it's like the moment that I opened my eyes, I heard that phrase like leaping in my spirit. We put it as the title of today's broadcast. Enough is enough. And I want those of you that are watching to write it in the comments today. Enough is enough. And that came so strong in my spirit. And I got a a word to give you uh, about that from God's word. But I want you to declare it before we do any teaching, before anything, before we move forward. Enough is enough. And pop that in the comments because that's the basis of what we're declaring today. And that's how you have to get. That's how you have to get about what the enemy would love to do in your life and family. You have to get to the place where you say enough is enough. In Jesus' name. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Hopefully you got something good to drink. Get your pen and paper. I'm going to um, take you to one verse of scripture to start. And that's Joshua chapter 13 and verse 13. And um, I want to explain this to you. That, um, and, and you may not know this, you may know it from, from Bible study. But when God gave Israel the promised land, um, if you've studied this, you know, they didn't take over the whole promised land at one time. They drove people out of their land little by little. And they occupied it portion by portion. If you didn't know that, you can go back and study and, and read and see that that they didn't take it over all at once. It was portion by portion by portion. And uh, here in Joshua 13, um, they're, they're getting their inheritance east of the Jordan River. And uh, this, this always uh, jumps out at me when I read this passage of scripture. They're driving them out little by little by little. And I'll start reading with you actually at Joshua 13 and verse number eight. And by the way, if there's any kind of, um, you know, internet issues or whatever, I am in a hotel in rural Indiana. So, I mean, we're not in the studio. So hopefully the audio is good enough that you can, that you can hear what I'm teaching, even if the video uh, is giving you some skipping issues or whatever. Uh, it's a hotel. So we're doing the very best we can. Uh, Joshua 13 and verse 8, the Bible says, with the other half, of the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses gave them, beyond the Jordan, eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. From Eror, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland of Medeba as far as Debon, and all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Hezbon as far as the boundary of the Ammonites and Gilead. Now it's, it's listing all the land they're taking. Get this. 
all of the land that they're taking. And then look, the Bible says, uh, verse 12, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth and Ed Edre, he alone was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. These Moses had struck and driven out. So stop right there. All of these lands that I just read to you, that is where God anointed them. They struck these people. They drove them out of the promised land and took their possession. And they did it supernaturally. Then we arrive at the 13th verse, where I had you to turn and, and focus. And the Bible says, yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Makathites, but Geshur and Makath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. That's the ESV. Listen to the, the NLT. But the Israelites failed to drive out the people of Geshur and Makath. So they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. So I want you to get this in your spirit, first of all, that God gave them the land without question. It was theirs. It was theirs to take. It was theirs to move into. But notice in this particular circumstance, they failed to, they did not drive out the people that were living in their promised land. And what was the result of that? The Bible says those tribes continued to live among the Israelites to this day. And that was in Joshua 13. So understand this principle that anything that you don't drive out will remain in your promised land. Anything you don't drive out will remain in your promised land. And, and when you fail to confront and drive out something, that the devil sent to occupy your promise. Remember this, God is not going to do it for me. God is not doing it for me. I have to drive out every enemy of my promise. And that's the key. We stand by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We lay hold on eternal life. The things that the enemy tries to do to stay in your family, stay in your family tree. It's something, things that run down through your family until you confront them and until you drive them out, then they won't loose and let you go. I was uh, reminded of a story that Brother Hagin told in a book that he put out, one probably his most famous book, if not one of his most famous books, that was called The Authority of the Believer. Many of you may remember that book, The Authority of the, of the Believer. It, it revolutionized the body of Christ around the world. It really did. People began to understand their authority in Christ. But uh, he had an experience that really taught him this principle because Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin and began to speak to him and began to teach him. And he was giving him things by the Spirit. And as Jesus was talking, to Brother Hagin, he said there was like a demon that came that looked like a little monkey. And it came and stood between he and Jesus. And Jesus was just calmly talking to Brother Hagin. But as he did, that little demon just started to make noise. And he said he was just like running his mouth over and over and over. This little demon running its mouth. Yak, 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 yak. It's like he couldn't hear 
And Brother Hagin actually said that as, he, as that demon started to run its mouth, make noise and start to get loud. He said, I couldn't hear Jesus speaking anymore. I couldn't hear what he was saying to me. I couldn't hear the instructions. I couldn't hear the teaching. And, and he said, I sat there and I waited. He said, I was sure that Jesus was going to rebuke this demon. I was sure that Jesus was going to move that thing out of the way. And he said, and, and, and nothing was happening. And he kept on yakking, yakking, yakking. And I couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. And he said, finally, I got angry. And he said, I rebuked that demon and commanded it to go. And he said, that thing just scattered out of there. Just scattered out of the way. And he said, um, after he did that and the demon left, he could hear Jesus again. And Jesus said something to him that changed him forever. He said, if you would not have done that, I couldn't have. And that blew Brother Hagin's mind. He stopped me and said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Jesus said, yeah, if you would not have done that, I couldn't have. And he began to teach him that the authority has been transferred to the body of Christ, that we are Christ's ambassadors on the earth. And Jesus was saying, I'm not going to come down and do all the work that I've called the church to do. That's for you to do, not for, not for Jesus. And so he, he sat there and thought about it when the Lord told him that the first time. He said, Lord, you mean, you mean you wouldn't have, right? He said, no, I said I couldn't have because he transferred all authority and power to his body to do those works, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. And the, it's important to remember this, God's not working independently of his church. He's working through his church. I want to say that again for those that are watching and listening. God is not working independently of his church. He's working through his church. And I want you to personalize that and put it in the comments. God's not working independently of me. God's working through me. Hallelujah. God's not working independently of me. God is working through me. In fact, if you go into the book of Acts, you'll, you'll find passages of scripture where the Bible says, and the Lord worked with them and signs followed. The Lord worked with them. And so I want you to pop that in the comments. God is not working independently of me, but through me. That's exactly right. Well, why is it important to understand that? Because one of the biggest lies that the body of Christ has ever experienced is this lie that says, well, brother, in God's good timing, he knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what I'm believing for. And he'll come through for me in his timing. He'll fight. My, he'll come through and just, he'll do no. And people get stuck in this purgatory of just waiting and wondering how come God hasn't done this yet? How come God hasn't done this yet? Why aren't we seeing this yet? And they wait and they wait and they wait. And then they get frustrated that how come this isn't changing? I thought the Lord knew my need. I thought the Lord was going to work on my behalf. I thought this was going to, and they don't realize that authority has been transferred to them. Dominion has been transferred to them. Hallelujah. 
that now you carry the power of God to work the works of God in Jesus' name. Authority has been transferred to you. And so, in fact, I'll have you jump over with me to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And how did he, how did he do that? How did Jesus give us that authority? Well, I'll show you. For example, how does it work? And someone asked, how do we make this happen? How do we bring this to pass? Is it by rebuking? Is it by... Yes, part of it is through your words. But notice, those giants, those tribes, those evil people, they're pagans. They stayed right in their promised land because they refused to drive them out. One thing I've learned is that things in people's lives that they will not confront and that they will not deal with will stay in their life for as long as they'll let it stay. Just like that story with Brother Hagin, that demon would have stayed there and yacked and, and just made him miss everything Jesus was saying. It would have stayed there as long as Brother Hagin let it stay there until he got uh, angry enough where he said, enough is enough and cast it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what I'm teaching you today. What is it that has remained in your life that has just hung there and people have learned to be okay with it? They've learned to just live with it. And they said, you know what? This is just how things are. You get older and things take place and whatever. And that's just, and no, and people say, uh, you know, I'm just, and people make all kinds of excuses as to why things are going on. Well, I'm getting older. Well, that's how life is. Well, that's what, you know, that's just normal. That's what goes on. And you start to, you stop realizing that you're a supernatural being with a supernatural covenant and the ability to take your authority over the devil. I read to you from um, Luke chapter 10 and uh, I'll read verse, starting with verse 17. The Bible says the 72 disciples returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Get that. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, I want to point something out uh, about this passage. Because in some of the older translations of the Bible, like the King James, one of the things that you'll see as you read Luke 10, 19, is you'll see the Bible say, Behold, I have given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all, over all the power of the enemy. But that was not a very accurate translation of scripture. Because if you look at the original Greek text of this Luke 10, 19, Jesus did not say, I have given you power over all the power. In fact, there are two different words used in the original manuscripts. It's the difference between the words dunamis and the word exousia. Those are two different words in the Greek language. The word dunamis is the word power. 
but the word exousia is the word authority, and they are different. And of course, I'll talk about that, but here he's talking about the dunamis of the devil, the power. But for the child of God, he's talking about the exousia or the authority of the child of God. And uh, it's so important to understand this because we did receive dunamis power when we got filled with the Holy Ghost. But we, I want you to think how wonderful this is. Authority doesn't even, you don't even have to exert the same amount of force. This is such a revelation for somebody today. Get this in your spirit. The difference between authority and power is that when you are working in power, many times you have to exert all the force of your power in order to do something. Someone is extremely strong, and so they've got to use all their strength to lift something that other people can't lift. For example, they're using their power, their force. But authority is different than power. And one of the examples that Brother Hagin gave in the authority of the believer is the example of a police officer. Let's say a traffic light goes out, and many times they'll bring an officer there and he'll start to direct traffic. Well, we understand fully that he doesn't have power over the traffic, right? A, a, a police officer in and of, his, of himself doesn't have power over the traffic, meaning that if there's somebody in an F-150 sitting at the light and they decide they don't want to listen to the officer anymore and they're just going to go through the intersection even though he's holding traffic up, they step on the gas and it would not matter if that officer put his hands on the hood and started pushing with all his might to push that F-150 back into place because he doesn't have the power to keep an F-150 in its place when they're stomping on the gas. But you better believe that he has the authority because though he can't stop that line of traffic with his own strength, he can lift up a hand or a flashlight or a flag or whatever. And when they see that authority figure who has been given delegated authority, obviously through the state, you know that when he lifts that hand, when those flashing lights go on, you better pull over. When he holds up that hand or the sign or the flag or flashlight, you better stop that vehicle. And what? If you don't, there's consequences. His authority makes people stop. His authority keeps everything in line and all together. And so all he has to do is hold up a hand and traffic will stop. A whole line of traffic will stop because he just holds up a hand. That's authority. Because now here's the difference. If it was just some dude walking down the street, holding up his hand, there's nobody stopping unless they're kind to figure out what he needs. But if that guy stands out in the middle of the road and he's got his hand up, people are going to just keep on going. They'll go around him. They'll just keep on driving. Well, here's the question. Why would they just keep on driving when the dude that's just standing there holds his hand up, and then why would they stop when the officer holds his hand up? Because there's a difference between just some random person and a deputized officer of the law. And the difference is that the deputized officer has received delegated authority in that city. He's received the authority to take that action. Whereas when you look at that other man, you can just tell. 
He's standing out there lifting his hand. He has no uniform. He has no badge. He has no patrol car. There's no authority given to him to stop traffic. There is no authority given to that man to stop traffic. And so we don't listen to someone like that. We don't obey someone like that. And you can actually see those two examples in scripture. Because as I've directed you to before, in Acts chapter 19, you see that story of seven sons of a priest named Sceva who are coming down the road when they encounter a demon-possessed man. And uh, they're like the plain clothes guy on the street. They've got no authority to cast that demon out of that man. And actually, they reveal the fact that they've got no authority by what they say, right? In the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. That's a sign to you right there that you don't have your own authority. Why are you leaning on some other human's authority in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches? And of course, they weren't preaching Jesus because they were Jewish exorcists. So why, aren't, why are you leaning on somebody else's authority? Because you don't have any. And you know what's crazy? The crazy thing is the demons or demon in that man immediately recognized that they didn't have any authority. How crazy is that? That those demons knew instantly that that man had no authority. That means, and I want you to put it in the comments, demons can sense my authority. Put it in the comments. Demons can sense my authority. And they, whether it was one or many, leapt upon those men, beat them, stripped them, and sent them back down the road bloody and bruised. Because demons can sense your authority. And they didn't sense any authority. No exousia, if you will. They didn't sense any authority on those men. And so they said, Jesus we know. What does that mean? We know Jesus' authority. We've sensed it. We've bowed down to it. We recognize it. Jesus I know. And Paul I know. So I sense Paul's authority. I recognize Paul's authority. But then the last one is, is rough. But who are you? Who are you? You know what that means? It means that those demons didn't even know spiritually who these guys were. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? <laughs> who are you? You're, what, what they were really saying was, you're nobody. Who are you to talk to us? Who are you to command us? Who are you to give orders is what they're saying. Who are you to give orders? I don't know you. You've got, now here's the sad part. You've got no spiritual identity. That right there will shake you up. You've got no spiritual identity. Who are you? I don't know you. I don't know you. And because, now get this, because they had no authority like that, they had no power like that, the demons were able to overtake them and conquer them. So that means that the demon 
had more authority spiritually than those Jewish boys did. And as a result, overtook them, beat them, stripped them, sent them back bruised and bloodied. Well, that's not the case with Jesus. And that's not the case with Paul or the apostles or the early church. Look at the Luke 10, 17. 72 just disciples re returned to say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Whew, get that now. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, then at nothing shall hurt you. Glory to God. So Jesus is explaining why demons are subject. It's because I've given you all the authority. And you don't have to exert all this power. You don't have to exert all this strength and all this force. No, it's in the authority. You know. And, and I've seen this in operation. I've seen it work. I was watching one minister, African minister, and he was casting out demons. And I've shared this before. And people didn't, didn't understand it. You know, they were watching him. And he was going around the, the auditorium. And as he would, demons would manifest. And as they'd fall on the ground and start thrashing and freaking out, he'd walk over and kind of just lean down and, and, and wave and go, bye-bye. And when he would say bye-bye, the, the demon would, would run out of the person. I mean, just rush out of them, and they'd be free. He did it more than once. And... Um, he said at the end of the, at the meeting, he said, did anybody notice that I didn't have to scream and shout and get 19 people to agree and lay hands for these demons to come out? He said, no. He said, the reason for that is because I've already done my screaming and shouting in prayer before I got here. I've already done my screaming and shouting in prayer before. See that? I have authority. But look. I wrote this down for you. Many people live with the enemies of their promise because they won't drive them out. Many people live with the enemies of their promise. They live right next to them. They let them live in their house. They let them live in their body and in their mind. They live with the enemies of their promise because they will not drive them out. And when I got up this morning, I got a word in my spirit that enough is enough. It is time to drive out every wicked thing that thought it was going to stand against you and your family in Jesus' name. Don't let this fast go by and be like, oh man, I guess that's just life. I guess that's just how it is. Don't allow this fast to go by and remain the same as you were before. Don't allow it. You got to get angry enough. This is what I think about all the time. You got to get angry enough at the devil and whatever he has sent toward you to get big enough and drive that enemy out. Just like, you know, just like uh, Brother Hagin got angry. He said, I couldn't hear Jesus. I didn't have, well, I wasn't getting what I needed. And he got angry and he rebuked it. And I, I want you to feel this, this, the strength of this today. We have to get to that place where we're angry enough at what the devil is trying to do 
in our lives, in our families, in our ministries, and we stand up and drive it out by the force of the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus. Well, God's given us access, right, to a name that's above every name. So I want you to see this with me. Uh, the name of Jesus carries dominion virtue to drive out every enemy of your promise. Get that. The name of Jesus carries dominion virtue to drive out every enemy of your promise. There's my friend, Glenn Karam. Love you, buddy. Every enemy. And I, I, I was directed, obviously, to this passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And put that in your, in your notes. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. I'm teaching on that right now, Kathy. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So catch this now. God has granted us access to the name that is above every other name. It's the name of Jesus. That name of Jesus has given us authority. The covenant that we have as we've come into the kingdom has deputized us and given us that authority. So, you know, you begin to read what the Bible teaches. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and I believe it's verse 24, that Jesus said, until now, you've asked nothing in my name, but now you will ask the Father Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it for you. So ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So notice there was a shift. When Jesus was leaving the earth, there was a shift. He said, now you're going to ask the Father in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, one of the things that I do want to make a point to teach is we don't pray to God for demons to come out. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. We cast out demons. We cast them out. We don't pray for demons and we don't pray that they come out. We cast them out. And that's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. And uh, it's like, remember that passage of scripture where Paul is, uh, you know, he's traveling and he's traveling with companions and there's that girl that just follows them and she's just screaming out behind him. These men are men of God. They're men of God. Tell me about the way of life. And she's just manifesting. And then the Bible says, and finally Paul being greatly annoyed, he was greatly annoyed by what she was doing. He turned around and cast the demon out of her. And the Bible tells us in the Great Commission that we are called, those of us that believe and are baptized, not only will we be saved, but these signs will follow them that believe. 
in my name, they will cast out devils. Hallelujah. They will cast out devils. And so <clears throat> get this in your spirit. There is an element of force that is needed to drive the devil out of your life, your home, your family. In every circumstance, there's an element of force that is needed, a violent faith. There's no pacifism in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> You're called as a warrior to fight the good fight of faith. So I want you to uh, put this in the comments today. Dominion moves by force. Put that in the comments. Dominion moves by force. <clears throat> the kingdom of, of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. <clears throat> it takes a level of force to walk in your dominion. Dominion moves by force. We're not just walking around uh, like victims on the earth. We are children of the most high God. And we've been filled with his power and his glory and his authority. I want you to think about this. The same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus, that made demons fear him. I mean, deathly afraid of Christ. Made them fear him is the same Holy Spirit that's dwelling on the inside of you. And that's the same force of authority and anointing that makes demons fear you too. I, I told you last week when we were in Madison that there was a, a demon-possessed guy that came in the side door with a guitar strapped on, strumming and everything. He thought he was going to come in and take authority over the service. He thought he was going to come in. He didn't realize that he was in a church with a crazy dude. <laughs> and I saw him and my eyes lit up with fire and I stalked to where he was. And I, I'm sure he didn't even have to understand. He saw me coming. This dude came in with a Carhartt jacket on this guitar like he's going to take, take authority over the service. And buddy, I stalked over there and he saw the fire that was in my eyes. And I hadn't even got to him yet. But as I was coming, he put his arm, his face became greatly afraid. And he put those arms out like, please don't hurt me. And I got over to him nose to nose and commanded him to get out in Jesus name. And he, he, he went from, I'm coming in here to make a disturbance. And he went from that to peeing his leg in about three and a half seconds. Why? Because when you are a child of God, you learn and understand that you carry the authority and the dominion of God. You carry the force of heaven's anointing and heaven's power. And you don't put up with the junk that the devil thinks he's going to do in your life. You by force, you take authority and you drive the devil out. You drive him out by the power of the Holy Spirit. You drive him out. And the problem with the modern day church, they know nothing about spiritual things, nothing. I'm sure there was somebody that was not too bright in that church that was like, why would he do that to that poor man? 
Because you've got no understanding of spiritual things if you think that way. Because the average Christian, sadly, because of the kind of crappy churches that have uh, risen up, and that's the kind of atmosphere that we've created in crappy churches through crappy teaching and crappy leadership, that they have no idea about the supernatural realm. They have no idea about the demonic. They have no idea that there's an actual war being waged by, for the souls of men. They've got no idea. They come in to hear a nice little message and be encouraged for their week and be patted on the bum bum and have some powder sprinkled on you and head back home without a rash. They have no idea that there's a war being waged and that it takes divine supernatural strength in order to do what God's called you to do. They have no idea about any of that stuff. And so they literally, uh, they, see, they see things happen. And that's why we have a generation of people that are battling spiritual things and they're looking for a diagnosis. That's why we have a whole generation of Christians that are battling spiritual things and they want medication. They want therapy. And I'm not against medication, doctors, nurses, or, uh, you know, whatever, any kind of help you can find. Not against the natural realm. What I'm saying is, good luck trying to treat a supernatural problem with a natural answer. Good luck trying to medicate a demon, because that's what many people are doing. And I'm sure people think I'm archaic for speaking like that and thinking like that. And I'm sure people think that I'm, uh, uh, you know, medieval in my thinking. It's not. It's a scriptural understanding that there are demonic forces at work. There are demonic forces at work. There are demonic forces trying to hold our families in, uh, uh, in captivity. And there's people that are trying to get a, uh, you know, a prescription. They're trying to get therapy. They're trying to get medical help and whatever. And you can't drive a demon out. You know, what are you going to do when it's an actual spirit of infirmity? And the Bible lists that as something that people deal with. You know, what do you do when it's a spirit of infirmity? Yeniel said, it's proven. Frequent flyers of patients who come in a lot, and it's all demons. They're always back. back. Oh, here they come back in the hospital again. Here they come back in therapy again. Here they come back. And all these things they deal with, it's like I'm blown away. Like I'm blown away that there are Christian people who are so foolish, and I... And I I'm saying this with all my heart. I'm saying this without any apology forthcoming. There are Christians that are so foolish that they will trust in a man to give them therapy when they have a connection with the comforter who is the Holy Spirit that can bring deliverance. Do you honestly think that things change by talking them out. Like this is the stupidity that has infiltrated our generation. That you think things change by talking them out. Things change, and I mean truly change, either because of the truth of God's word coming to light in your heart and you understanding the revelation of God's word and gaining freedom through the word, or there's some sort of a spiritual issue that needs to be taken authority over and either cast out or you bring and receive deliverance from that thing. I am, I am appalled, and I, and I mean this in every sense of the word, and I have no apology in my spirit for what I'm about to say. I am appalled and disgusted 
at Christians who they deny the power of God, they deny the supernatural power of God by putting their trust in men rather than God. And I've seen them post on Twitter. I've seen them post on Instagram. I've seen them post on Facebook, you know, advocating for therapy. We all need therapy. Everybody would benefit from going to therapy. Buddy, I have zero need of therapy from some man. When I have the power of the Holy Ghost, and I know there's people that need help, but what, they, what many of them truly need, and I've seen it, I've traveled and preached for, I've, I've been in the ministry for over 20 years. They didn't just start yesterday. Not green out of Bible school, looking for some demons to cast out and seeing demons in every nook and cranny of a closet. I've done this for over 20 years. And I understand that yes, people need help. And yes, people are being attacked. But more often than you realize, people are dealing with a spiritual attack against their life. And good luck, good luck solving spiritual problems with natural answers. Good luck to you in your dead, dry church that you just go to because it's close to your house. And this is how dumb people are about spiritual things. Well, we go there, you know, because they get us out in about an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, it's really close to our house. Our other church, we were, you know, we were driving a little too long. And a good church is worth the drive. An on fire, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, word preaching church is worth the drive. And if people attend some dead dry church because it's close to their house and they get out at a certain time, they're already proving where they're at spiritually. And then they have to go put their trust in the arm of flesh and turn their back on God. And that's not my words. That's God's words. Jeremiah 17, 5. And the Bible says, cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back on God. And I refuse. And we're living in a day and age where people have not driven things out of their life. And then you look at what they listen to and you look at what they watch and you look at who they hang with and you look at all their, you look at their life. They look, they don't look any different from an unbeliever other than the fact they go to church on Sunday. They look no different. They're not taking any stand by faith to drive out wicked things that have tried to attack their life. And then they sit around and say, well, you know, really, we just need therapy and every Christian would benefit from therapy. I wouldn't benefit at all from therapy. And I know many Christians that would get no benefit from therapy. You know why? They're already living in the overflow. So don't tell me, well, every, every Christian should try therapy. Every Christian should get themselves a therapist. I've got one. He is the comforter. He is the Holy Spirit. And the moment you say that what God said in the church is not enough, then you are saying God doesn't know what he's doing. And by the way, therapist is not one of the five-fold ministry gifts. We have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of the saints. And then God gave us his holy written word that according to Paul's letter to Timothy, it is sufficient. God's word is sufficient for everything that the Christian needs so that they'll be fully equipped to do what God's called them to do. Fully equipped. That means if you're battling something mentally, you're not yet fully equipped. You're still under attack. You're still believing for freedom. But the word of God can break you out of that attack. And people have just put, they've, they've let their guard down and they've put their trust in the arm of flesh. And they've turned their back on God and they don't even know they have. They don't even know they have. 
I guarantee you, there's Christians all over this nation. I mean, give me a break. There's Christians right now that are for abortion. You think about that. Think about that for a minute. There's Christians in America right now that are for abortion. It's because they don't even know who they are. They're not, they're not serving God. They're not serving God. Well, you can, you know, you can have differentiating uh, political beliefs you know, and still be a Christian. It's not a political belief. It's not a political belief. There's people that are quote-unquote Christians that are ordaining homosexuals and lesbians to stand in the pulpits of their denominational churches, and that is denomination-wide. The Methodist church didn't used to be like that. Now that's what it is. The Presbyterian church didn't used to be like that, but now that's what it is. You've got uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada that are now turning people away from church in Canada if they're not vaccinated. That's demonic. And the Holy Ghost has departed. And they don't even know it. There's many of those leaders on their way to hell now and they don't even know it. Because they've gotten in bed. They've prostituted their gift. Gotten in bed with the world system and they don't even know they're gone. They are dead men walking. And they don't even know it. They've got no spiritual authority. See here, this, let, let, me, let me tell you something. This was, a, this was a sign to me. When I saw that the Pentecostal, this was a few years ago, and I've mentioned it on the broadcast. When I saw a few years ago that the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada had to start an initiative to send elders through their churches in Canada to make sure they were still practicing Pentecostal uh, doctrines and practices because nobody was being saved or baptized in the water or baptized in the Holy Ghost. There were no signs and wonders being reported. I mean, nothing. And they're like, what, what are our churches even doing? What are they even preaching? And they had to send elders out with this initiative to make sure it was actually still going on in quote unquote Pentecostal churches. It was only a matter of time to me where I understood if they're not even doing that, that if any pushback ever really does come, They've got no strength and no fortitude to do the things that they're actually supposed to be doing. And then a few years later, when all this came down and we saw all these things begin to happen, sure enough, these churches were, that were too dead to get anybody saved or give altar calls, too dead to baptize in water, too dead to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost, too dead for signs, ones, and miracles, you think now they're going to come alive and resist the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of this world? Good luck. The Holy Spirit has departed from so many of those churches and they don't even know it. And the leadership doesn't even know it. And the denomination doesn't even know it. But there are now leaders that are on the verge of literally being in danger of spending eternity in hell because they've taken authority over Jesus' church and have governed who can and cannot come in based on a medical thing, based on the manipulation of antichrist system. They're on their way to hell and they don't even know it because they wouldn't drive the giants out of their own land. They wouldn't stand in the power of the Holy Ghost and drive giants out of their own land. Yeah, Pastor Kim who, and, and Pastor Tim and Kim Gibb, who pastor in Sarnia, Ontario, said they were looking to send specialists, question mark, or quotation marks, to teach how to grow your church. And they're going to send a specialist? 
and pastors Tim and Kim, they don't need a specialist to come. They're already a Holy Ghost church. They don't need some suit from some office come and give them spiritual growth principles. When you've got a denomination that's got no fire left, the power of God, I'm sure there's pockets. I'm sure there's a remnant of people that God's preserved. But when you've got an issue because there's an initiative where you've got to check your nationwide denomination, there's a problem. And now turning people away because they don't have a vaccination and they are on the verge of judgment from God because they wouldn't drive the they wouldn't drive the giants out of their own land. You got to get big enough in the Holy Ghost to say enough is enough in my own personal life. Enough is enough in my physical body. Enough is enough in my family. Enough is enough in my mind. Enough is enough and drive every wicked thing out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you got to get your fight back in your eyes. Get the fight back in your eyes and begin to take authority in your own life and declare it. Enough is enough. Enough harassment on my children in Jesus' name. Devil's not going to mess with my kids. Devil's not messing with my husband. The devil's not messing with my wife. Devil's not messing with my grandkids, my father, my mother, my sister, my brother, whatever it might be. Take authority in your family and declare it. The devil's not going to have my family. I'm driving every wicked thing out in Jesus' name. I refuse to let it stay. I refuse to let it stay. And that's part of what we're doing. As we fast and pray, we're declaring, I refuse to let these things stay in the mighty name of Jesus. It's being driven out by the power of God. Driven out. Enough is enough. And that's it. And, and, and look what happens. I read it to you from Joshua 13. If you don't drive it out, it's happy to just stay there and live with you for the rest of your life. The Bible says it. Gesher and Makkah. They continue to live among the Israelites to this day. They're happy to just stay there and live there until you drive it out. The giants would have stayed in the promised land until Israel drove them out. They had to get a revelation, I'm bigger than my enemy. And I want you to put that in the comments today. I'm bigger than my enemies. I'm bigger than my enemies in Jesus' name. I am bigger than my enemies. And that's the word. That's the word. I've got the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwelling in me and it quickens my mortal body. I'm not a victim. I'm already seated in heavenly places far above all principal. In fact, I'm going to go there and read it to you because we need to get a revelation of this like we've never had. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at it. Hallelujah. This will get you shouting, man. That's right. Put it in the comments. I'm bigger than my enemies. And you are. And you are. Bigger than your enemies. Listen now. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1.16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints. Now listen, and what is the immeasurable 
greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now get this, where did he seat him? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one that is to come and has put all things, glory to God, under his feet and has given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Lord, look at that. He didn't just stop with mentioning Christ. He started talking about you. He said, put him, made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. That's you. That's me. We are his body. We are his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Notice that where we've been set, we've been set where he was set in heavenly places at the right hand of the father. But where is that? It's above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Glory to God. Every name that is named. That means everything that could pose a threat to you, your family, your loved ones, whatever. Every name that is named, you're far above it. And I wrote this in my notes today. Get this. Everything that has a knee has a name and that name and that knee must bow. Doesn't matter. It's not just about people. It's not just about demons. Cancer has a name, but his name is above that name. And that's far under the feet of Jesus and your feet. Hallelujah. Woo. And you know the enemy does everything he can to try to silence the word of God. Let me tell you something. We are filled with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. And we don't have to put up with the devil's junk. Not another minute longer. And it's time to take that authority and declare everything in my life, everything in my family, my house, my mind, my body, my finances that is opposing God's plan and opposing the written word of God, I am driving it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Driving it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Addictions are being driven out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sickness being driven out by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, glory to the Most High God. I'm telling you, this is a word for right now. It's a word for today. The Holy Spirit woke me up with this word today. It's for you. It's for me. And everything that thought it was going to spend the rest of our life harassing us has another thing coming. It's getting ready to be quickly driven out by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you this final thought before we pray today. Don't let the level of severity of whatever the thing is make you back off driving it out. Because the enemy is a master at slowly putting things on you. Get this. I've used this analogy before. Have you ever walked through the woods and gotten those little sticky things? They're like little 
uh, spiked balls that stick on your jeans, stick on your jacket, whatever. And as you're walking through the woods, they just start getting on all your clothes. Raise a hand in the comments if you've ever had that. Maybe you live in a place that has woods like I do. And, and, and you've had that happen before. I grew up in West Virginia, Virginia. You take a walk through the woods, those things are all over your clothes. They're all over your clothes. And you're like, man, you went in totally clean and you come out and you didn't even realize you're like three pounds of those sticky little whatever they are on your clothes. And you got to take the time to get them all off of your jacket, all off of your jeans, whatever, your socks. You didn't even know they were sticking to you as you were walking. Now, if some big, let's say some big animal jumped out of a tree and, and you know, jumped and, and got on your, whatever, a raccoon, some big fat raccoon jumped on you and was hanging off the back of your jacket, you'd know. You'd know that some big raccoon jumped on you, you know. Obviously, you'd know. You'd feel the weight of it. But what you don't realize, yeah, hitchhikers, what you, what you don't realize is when these little things are being added to your jeans, little by little, one by one, one by one, one by one as you walk, and you don't recognize the fact they're being added to you until you get out and take a look around like, man, there's like hundreds of these little things on me. Hundreds of them. I got to get them all off of me. And the devil's a master at that. He'll put little tiny thing on you by little tiny thing, by little tiny thing. And he'll make sure that he keeps it small enough that you're okay with it being there. I say, well, you know, it's just a little, it's a little thing. Oh, that's, you know, that's just something small. Well, you know, that happens to everybody. Every now and then you get that, you know, that's what happens. And then he makes it so that it's small enough that even God's children will say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, that's just, well, I've had, you know, it started as a cold, you know, a few months ago. And I don't know, I had a cold for a while and it kind of developed into this sinus infection that like, I don't know, it's just kind of been there. I've been dealing with this sinus infection for like the last, you know, two, three weeks. And I don't know, it just, it's, it's not... It's not, it's not going away. I don't know. And then all of a sudden the sinus infection turns to something else. It's like, well, it got in my, it got in my chest. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just waiting it out. It, you know, it started as a cold. It was really weird. It, it started, it became a sinus infection. Now I don't know. It's like, it's in my, it's in my chest. I can't, I don't know. I'm just, I know God's going to, and then what happens? It's little thing by little thing by little thing until it's something that's hanging on you. And you don't even realize that it grew into something that was hanging on you. And it, it works that way in every area of life, not just health. It works that way in relationships. It works that way in your finances. It works that way in your mind. Well, you know, I had kind of a down day today. I just, I don't know. I just didn't feel myself. You know, I just kind of feel, I felt really a, a heaviness. I know it'll be better tomorrow. I'm just, you know, today was, it was a rough day. And, so, and then you have three of those in a row and then you're like, oh yeah, what's going on? I'm kind of on a down slope. And I don't know. I'm just, it's just, man, maybe it's just the time of year. I, you know, and then all of a sudden before you know it, you're dealing with chronic depression and anxiety attacks. And you're like, how did I get here? And next thing you know, you're getting prescription medication to take care of depression and anxiety. And you're wondering, how did I even, how did I end up here? How did this happen? How did this happen? I was fine eight months ago. How did, how did this happen? It's because little by little, little by little, little by little, he, he tries to add things to your life so that you don't sense them fully, that you don't feel them, and you're okay to live with them for a few days. And then you be, oh, you're okay living with them for a month, and you're okay, well, it's been the whole year now at this point. And all you have to realize 
is that you have to set up a mentality that I don't care how small the thing seems, how little it might seem. I refuse to accept any of these little foxes that would come in and try to spoil my life and spoil God's promise and destroy my covenant with God. I refuse it in Jesus' name. I refuse it in Jesus' name. And I'm driving out every wicked thing in Jesus' wonderful name. And we are not putting up with the devil's junk in our lives any longer. And we're going to be not just a little bit free. I'm not going to live in my promised land with two other opposing tribes that are always harassing me. Get that in your heart. I'm not living in my promise with other enemies that are just going to stay there and harass me while I'm trying to enjoy my promise. It's not happening. It's not happening in Jesus' name. And so, we're going to declare. We're going to declare that everything that tried to hold a grip on our lives is letting go of us. And by the, by the time this fast comes to an end, we're going to walk in total freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And I feel the anointing to pray for you right now because it's, it's over. Enough is enough. That's what the word that jumped in my spirit today. Enough is enough. And we're taking authority over that thing by the power of God. So I want you to receive this wherever you're watching. I feel the anointing to pray for you right now. The gift of faith is on you to receive this prayer today. And so, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come to you. We thank you for violent faith. We thank you, Lord, that the righteous take it by force. And so, Lord, we refuse to live in our promise with things opposing us on every side. It's not going to be our story in Jesus' name. It will not be our story in Jesus' name. And so right now, we take authority over every wicked attack of the devil that's trying to harass God's people that are watching. Everything that's tried to hang on for so long. Everything that has tried to sit there and fester and build and try to build a wall around their promise, it cannot stay. And today, I take authority over every wicked thing that's set up shop in their life. And I don't care how long it's been sitting there. It has to pick up and move out today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, sicknesses that have just continued to build and continue to build, I rebuke them in Jesus' mighty name and I command them to loose their grip on God's people. You cannot stay. You got to get up and get out in Jesus' wonderful name. Get up and get out. Pack your bags and leave their body today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those little things that started as just a couple down days. Well, I didn't know. I just felt kind of uh, down heavy today. I take authority over depression. I take authority over anxiety attacks and these things that have turned now into suicidal thoughts. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Loose your people. Let this be a day of divine freedom. Today, the Lord, bring deliverance to the captive. Loose your people today. Don't let them remain one more day in bondage. Not one more day in captivity. Loose your people today, Lord, and let them go. Let them go. Open every door. Let us walk out in freedom today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Those that are battling with their families, children, family members that are not serving the Lord or battling in addictions or battling relational problems. There's been strife. There's problems. There's no communication anymore. The love is gone. I take authority over those 
demonic forces trying to attack families and tear them apart. I command you to leave in Jesus' name. And I lose joy and love and peace to the people of God. Let this be a, a, a month to remember that before we hit the end of January, promotion is ours. We will see God take us to another level in the wonderful name that's above every name. And we thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord. And we give you wonderful praise for that, Lord. There's only one that can do these things. His name is Jesus. And so we thank you ahead of time. We praise you ahead of time for what you're doing in your people. We declare 2022 is our year of divine possession in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone in the name above all names. And we thank you. And we give you praise for your goodness and for your mercy. And if you believe that today, begin to thank God. Everything's being driven out. You continue. You Anything that tries to come at you, you rebuke it in Jesus' name. You stand against it. As my wife has taught many times, get just as angry at a cold as you would at cancer trying to come into your body. Get just as angry and declare, that will not be my story in Jesus' name. That will not be my story in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section. Throw some hands up and declare, that is mine in Jesus' name. It is mine in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on that. Things are changing for the better forever in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Janine, for sowing a seed. I think you have to put the hashtag in front of the donate. But thank you for sowing that. I appreciate it. And those that want to follow Janine's example at the end of this broadcast, I want to encourage you to sow a seed. I'm going to challenge you. You're not going to, God's not taking you into a place that you aren't called to go. And so God's not taking you into overflow if there's no seed in the ground. And I'm going to tell you one thing that I've done consistently over the last, I don't know, now it's been five years, I started to realize the, the power of not just sowing largely, but consistent sowing. If you always want to harvest, you always have to have a seed in the ground. And so I want to challenge you to sow a seed by faith today. You can go to miracleword.com. Thank you, Janine. You can go to miracleword.com and sow it there on the website. You can use a digital avenue to sow. But I want to encourage you, do something that takes faith, that takes faith to do, and God will reward you for it. Don't forget, as you're uh, preparing your offerings, that this month in January, for those that are partnering with us, and if you're not yet partnering with us, I want to encourage you to do so. We're sending those that are standing at $85 or more, Dr. Summerall's book, uh, Adventuring with Christ, some of the most faith-building stories you could ever read. And then for those that are standing at $250 or more this month, we're sending you that book, How We Got the Bible, one of the best reads on how we saw the formation of Scripture, the collection of Scripture. It truly builds your faith. And one of my favorite books uh, that I've read, it's an easy primer to understand this, uh, this subject. And then for those that are standing at $1,000 or more, and people are People are sowing their $1,000 seeds. We're going to send you one of my favorite study Bibles that was ever released, and it's recently released, called the NET with Full Notes Edition. Uh, what I've told you many times is, I think the, one of the greatest gems given to the body of Christ over the last 100 years. And uh, we're going to send you that as well. And I want to say thank you. Don't forget 
that were live tonight at 7, last night of Revival in Jasper, Indiana, and then tomorrow night, Friday night, and Saturday night, we're back in the Miracle Word studio at 9 p.m., back at 9 p.m., and Saturday night is our breakthrough communion service uh, at 9 p.m. We're going to be praying over your prayer requests, we're taking communion together, and we're sowing a first fruit seed to begin this year in position to receive overwhelming increase upon our lives. So get ready for that. And um, don't forget as well that it is Wednesday today. So Carolyn is going to be live today at 2 o'clock p.m. Don't miss it. She'll be back on all platforms. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. I love you guys. I really appreciate it. I know you. I, I pray you're doing well on the fast. I can only see people's comments in the private Facebook group. But uh, if you are at the place where you're like, man, I, I broke it. I ate something. Jump back on for these final days. What do we have today? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Four days of fasting left. So if you've broken it, if you ate something, jump right back on and begin to pray and begin to fast and trust God for miracles before this fast comes to an end. And uh, I know God will meet you. Continue with your Bible reading. Continue praying. And I'm telling you, things are turning for the better. I thank God for these testimonies that are coming in. Let me also encourage you before I go, if you have testimonies, we want to hear them and we want you to send them to us. So go to miracleword.com forward slash testimony and please send us your testimonies. We love to hear, not only do we love to hear what God's doing, it builds people's faith to hear what God's doing. And that's what we're called to do, give our testimony. And so please send that in and um, we can't wait to read it. I love you guys very, very much. And uh, I can't wait to tell you some of the things that the Lord's speaking to me on the fast, some of the direction for this upcoming year. It's going to be a wonderful year. I'd love to see you in revival at some point. All of our confirmed schedule is up on the website. So if you can make a road trip, get in revival in 2022 and watch what God will do in your life. Have a powerful day. I'll see you again tonight at 7. Carolyn will see you at 2. Have a blessed day. I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.